If you have your Bibles, open them with me and turn to Hebrews chapter 13. We're going to start there. Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 5. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God said, never will I leave you and never will I forsake you. And I want to, I want to talk to you about the, the, that scripture in its original language, in the original Greek, what it says, it says, keep your manner of life without covetousness. What is covetousness or to covet? And I, I got a definition for you. It is a strong desire and eagerness in an evil sense to obtain and possess something without regard to law or justice. So to covet in general is a sin. It's forbidden. There must be a hatred of it. It's in the 10 commandments. So anytime you're dealing with covetousness, it's always in a negative sense. Do not covet. Do not be envious. Do not be greedy. What, what, what does covetousness lead to? It, need, it leads to greed and poverty and oppression and injustice and temptation. It leads to all even more sin. It opens the door to sin. So what's an example? Like I could give you tons of examples. Like how about this? I give an example of, um, let's say you see someone, let, let's say you have a dream car. Like let's say you, you've always wanted um, an infinity, okay? And, and you see someone with, with an infinity and you say to yourself, instead of saying, wow, good for them, I'm happy for them. You say, I'm the one who deserves the infinity. I'm the one who gives offerings all the time. You know, they, they, they don't come to church every week. I'm, I'm in church Fridays and Sundays and I'm the one that should have the infinity. It should be mine, not theirs. Right as soon as you get into that kind of, of attitude of comparing um, you know, you know, looking at people's situations and saying, you know, they don't, I should have that. They don't deserve, you couldn't make me happier than when you, you get something, uh, that's great. Or you have something that you've always wanted, or, or you know, you hear, or you go somewhere that you've always wanted to go. I can't believe all these people going to Italy. I should be going to Italy. I deserve to go to Italy. I've never been before. How come they get to go? You know, it, it's, it's envy, it's covetousness, and, and, and to the point where it could lead to a, a very sinful behavior in which you, you know, you actually end up trying to take it from the person or trying to harm them so you can have it. And that's obviously, um, you know, the furthest down, but, but th this is what, um, this is what covetousness is. I love that Sheba. Sheba said, you can't receive what you don't celebrate for others. Exactly. So that's why I'm always happy for people when I see whatever you do. Um, and the second part of that scripture says, be content with what you have. Because the opposite of covetousness is contentment. Being content, not co always comparing yourself. I wish I had that. I should have that. I deserve that. You know, being content is saying, it is, it is almost, it, well, it is, it's a sense of gratitude saying, thank you, Lord, for everything that I have. I might not, you know, the, the person that wants the infinity, I might not have the infinity yet, but I have a car that runs. There's a lot of people that don't, that don't have a car. There's a lot of people that have to, to walk or bike places because they can't afford a car. So thank you, Lord, for providing me with a car. Thank you, Lord, for providing me with a home, being content and knowing what's the end of that verse, that God said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So there is so much wrapped up into that one verse. In number one, not being a, a covetous, having covetousness in your life or greed or envy. Uh, number two, being content, which is therefore being grateful and thankful for the things that God's done for you and that's done, what he's done in your life. And then the third thing is trusting God to provide for you, trusting God to take care of you. What does the scripture say? That my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. Knowing that, that, okay, I might not have that now, but, but I, 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 I'll, I'm going to have it later.
Yeah, Lisa said, if he can, if he can do it for them, he can do it for me. Why? Because God is not a respecter of persons. He doesn't like them better. And that's why they have that particular car or that's why they live in that particular neighborhood. And we unfortunately live in a society now where everybody posts everything they do. Right. And so it's very easy to become envious because you're seeing a, a, a kind of a picture on social media of, you know, all the stuff that they're doing. I, I personally, I love seeing what people are doing because I'm happy. I, I love, I love celebrating. When I see people on vacation and stuff, I want to see all the cool food that they're eating. I want to see the cool places that they're going because they're happy and I'm happy and that they're happy, right? Exactly. Lynn, when you think of what God has done, it should bring you joy because if, if you look at it that way, in, in a spirit of thankfulness and gratitude, there, there can't be discontent in your life. If you're not content with something, you have to examine that in your heart. There's obviously a reason. There's obviously, um, you know, there's obviously something wrong, something going on that's causing you to have discontent. I know I have some questions in the question box, but, but let me just, let me just get through. Um, I will answer them. I will check them, but I just want to get, get through most of the study first. Turn to Luke chapter 12, because that word, that Greek word of covetousness, you find it again in Jesus's words in Luke chapter 12, Luke chapter 12, verse 15. Then he said to them, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And he told them this parable, the ground of a certain rich man produced a good crop. You know, by the way, isn't it interesting that Jesus is telling a, a parable about a rich man? Is he saying, um, you shouldn't be rich? You should, if you're rich, there's something wrong. If you're rich, uh, uh, you know, you're, you're sinning. No, he's, he's explaining what to do if you are rich. Listen, uh, he thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself but is not rich towards God, rich towards God. Do you, you know, when I hear criticism and again, I hate the term prosperity gospel. That is like a, a, a made up thing. Prosperity and abundance and success is found in the word of God. So what exactly are you coming against? I know what you're coming against. You're coming against the idea that if that, that people can expect to receive from God if they give. That's what you're coming against. Because you're going to say, well, you know, there's a lot of poor people. Yeah, there, there are a lot of poor people. But is that an indication that God wants us to be poor? There's a lot of people going to hell, but that's not an indication that God doesn't want us to be saved. I, I really hate those kind of comparisons. Well, you know, there's a lot of sick people. Yeah, but that doesn't mean it's God's will for them to be sick. So in the same way that it's God's will for you to be healed, it's God's will for you to have plenty. Why? Because, and, and again, there's so many scriptures. And I, I mean, this is a study that could go on for weeks because there's so many scriptures about being generous. And, and when you have plenty that you can give to those who are in need and you can actually affect people's lives because you have, so, you have plenty. Like in the early church, they had so much, there was no one in need. You know, that, that's how much possessions people had, that there was no longer anyone in need. That's the will of God. You know, I'm going to, oh boy, this is one of those studies that may take longer than a week, which is fine. I don't mind because I want to make sure that it's very clear. You know, it is no wonder, it is no wonder that there is a push against this kind of teaching because it's better for Christians to be poor. That's what the devil wants. That's what the government wants. Because what happens when you have a lot of money, you instantly are an influential person. That's how it works. 
you know, I, I remember hearing this uh, from, from a, a preacher that I listened to. And he was telling the story about um, how he took his daughter to get, you know, when, when she was a baby to get, you know, the, the childhood vaccines that you get, right? And there was like a ton of them, like way, way more than there used to be. And he's like, why does she need all, all these vaccines? And, and he didn't want her to have them. And, and the doctor's like, you know, I, I insist that she should have them. And he said, and I love, I love how he says it. He's like, does the baby have my last name or the hospital's last name? You know, and, and, and then he brings the point of if you're a single mother and you're working two jobs just to put food in your child's mouth and you go to the hospital and say the same thing, guess what will happen? If you don't do this, we will pull the money that you're getting to help support your children. And what is that single mother to do? What is she supposed to do? Nothing. She has no choice because she has to feed her children. And so she'll do whatever she needs to do. And that's what the devil wants for you to be in a position where you're at the mercy of whatever wicked governments tell you to do because you have no other recourse. And, and when I hear people speaking against the blessing of God, Christians, it angers me because that's what you're basically saying. Put yourself at the mercy of welfare and government assistance. And then if you're accepting that stuff, you have to do what you're told or it's going to be cut off. And God wants to set you free from the wicked system of this world. And I'm going to show you how it, you can be set free. And understand this true biblical prosperity is not about what you can hoard for yourself it's what you can give and if in the meantime you end up with a fancy car great but that's not the goal and that's not the point and people always miss it all oh, these preachers with all their fancy stuff <laughs> do you, can i can i share something with you there was a time um, it's settled down now and I always <laughs> I'm like man I always feel like uh, when people give me gifts I always feel bad because I feel like you know why are you giving me a gift but there was a time when it's like not a week would go by that someone wouldn't give me something all kinds of different things and and you want to know you don't want to know what that is that's the blessing of God I didn't ask for those things people I mean again it, it, Jonathan always talks about it the, the watch that he has it was given to him it's an expensive watch, but it was a gift. But, you know, are we supposed to, to uh, and that's why I'm not going to apologize for, for blessing and for gifts, because I know that, that people want to give it. But that's, that's where so many Christians miss it, that you just assume that, that people just want to hoard all the money for themselves. And some people do. That's what greed is. And that's what we're teaching against tonight. That's what you don't want to have. That's what Jesus is saying, that someone, the, the, the rich man in this parable was hoarding everything for himself and was not rich unto God. What does it mean to be rich towards God? It means I want to be able to fund the kingdom of God. Does that church need a building? I could pay for it. Does that church need a new roof? I can pay for it. And we talked about this last week. That instead of churches with, with ceiling tiles that are falling down and, and asbestos and mold and, and, and you know, in shambles where, where casinos are, are worth billions of dollars why is that because the body of christ has been told that it's bad to be rich and it's better to be poor and guess what being poor does it doesn't help you and it doesn't help anybody else because true prosperity is understanding that now my needs are met and now i have an abundance so that i can be a need meter of those who need it that I can be a person who funds the kingdom of God, who funds the gospel. That's what you could be. If you're poor and barely supporting yourself, not only are you at the, at the mercy of, of tyrants, but you're, you're, you can affect no change in this world. Now, if you don't have a lot of money, I'm not trying to say that you're doing something wrong. Hear me in what I'm saying. What I'm trying to explain is we need to be set free from this mindset that it's beneficial to be poor and scraping by because that's what God wants. It's not. Turn, turn on, this is, this is the, the other scripture um, that you hear a lot. 
you know, Jesus, Jesus talk, talking about that rich man. He's not saying that it's bad to have a lot of stuff. He's saying you don't hoard it for yourself. You, you give it. And when you give, it comes back. The Bible says, pressed down, shaken together and running over to make room for more. That's what Jesus said. That's what Jesus said. So, so if you're, if you're under the impression um, that Jesus is warning against being rich, he's not. But there, he is warning against being greedy and being covetousness, uh, being uh, uh, having covetousness, being envious. That's what he is warning against. And there's more warning. Paul warns against it too. First Timothy chapter six. I'm going to start at verse six um, because this whole. This whole portion of scripture um, really is, I would say, the biggest thing that's talked about whenever you talk about money. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Because, anyways, 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 6. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. So here we are again. Contentment. Are you? If, if you're not content, then something's wrong. We need to be content with what we have, and not that we're desiring to have more. Oh, I need more. I need a bigger house. Why? Why do you need that? Listen to the next scripture. Um... People who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. When you get uh, um, caught up in the desire for more money, what usually ends up happening? You probably go through dishonest means in order to get that money. It becomes almost an addiction in a sense. You need more. You never have enough because if you're not content, you will never have enough. You know, I don't, it's like, I, I, I can't force myself to care about material things. I just don't care. You know what I care about? I care about the gospel getting out. I care about the, 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 the word being preached. I care about people not being in, in bad situations. That's what I care about. And I'm not, you know, that, that's not just saying that to, to you know, because I want you to think that I'm, I'm you know, don't care about material things. It's true. I don't care. My couch is super old it's a hand-me-down from from my aunt and i don't care it's a comfortable couch i couldn't care less my house is not very big i don't care why because it's nice i like living here i have a nice view i don't care but you have to you, you have to understand that there are a lot of people that do care they want the latest thing so that they can keep up with their neighbor or their friend or their friend got th this watch so now i gotta get this one and and you know my my i want my house to be the biggest and i want my car to be the fanciest and what ends up happening is you fall into this trap where you never have enough contentment is being is being happy and joyful and at peace with what you have instead of always coveting more i need more i want more i don't have enough Whoa, why does a preacher need a, need a private jet? To fly. It's not because he's trying to get a jet. It's because it's, it's a million times easier to fly with a private jet to preach more. I know a preacher that preaches like a million times a week. And the only way he's able to do that is because he has a jet. Would not be able to happen otherwise. And guess what? Jets exist. Who would you rather, listen to me, if you're a person who says, a preacher doesn't need a jet, they already exist, you get it? Who would you prefer to have it? A preacher who takes the gospel all, all around the world and is able to preach in one uh, a state on a Saturday night and another state on Sunday morning and another state on Sunday night for people to be healed and set free and saved? Or for pedophiles to fly to a private island to molest children. The jets already exist. Whose hands do you want them in? Because I'm going to tell you, I want them in the hands of the righteous to be used for righteous things. So unless you go and burn every private jet that exists, I don't want to hear that. Because they're already there. So who's going to use them? Wicked people. 
our prime minister on our dime. Yeah, celebrities who lectures us about global warming. Global warming? It's like winter in here. Global warming. Get out of here. Maybe Give them a memo that say what happened to summer. Global warming. So all the stuff... All the, do, you, do you realize the, the, the money is all already here in the world? So the question is, who do you want to have it? Wicked people or Christians? Your choice. So if you're going to come on here, oh, that American gospel, that American pros, okay, sure. So while you're sitting in your small uh, uh, church, of 60 people that you've had for the last 35 years affecting no one and nothing and sit behind your computer those prosperity preachers the money the money already exists whose hands do you want it in and money in of itself is not evil it depends whose hands it in it's in because if you had a million dollars and you gave it to a preacher and they take that to give to more kids who are starving, uh, uh, to do more meetings for people to get saved and people to be healed, or you give it to, to, to a reprobate who, who gambles it away, loses their family, spends it on prostitutes, drugs. It, 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 you, it's insane to me. It's insane. And I didn't used to, I used to be one of those people. I used to be one of those Christians. I, I, Lord, please forgive me. I was so, I had no idea about it. I, under, I understood nothing. I knew nothing. I was Bible college educated and I knew nothing. And the crazy thing is I went to, the Bible school I went to was, was is considered a mega church where people had a lot of money. And I remember they used to take up a, an offering every year. And, and millions would come into, millions would come into that offering. I don't know how I didn't get right teaching when I was there, but I, I guess I lost it along the way. I don't know. <laughs> so that, that's it. The jets already exist. The watches already exist. The money's already here. Who would you rather to have it? And it's not to hoard things unto ourselves it's to be generous it's to give and along the way you're gonna find out that you're gonna get blessed anyways like i told you i got people giving me stuff all the time putting stuff in my hand i said i know I, I i can i give you money for this no i don't want it take it it's yours that's what happens that's what happens give and it shall be given to you that's how it happens it's it's a it's a cause and effect it's a biblical law so yeah, that people have nice suits and nice stuff. Also, again, do, do you want to go preach wearing like a ripped t-shirt? Or do you want to go preach in a nice suit or in a nice whatever? I think I'd, you know, I'd rather look nice and not look like a, a like I just, uh, just got out of a, a drug rehab, you know. Godliness with sufficient material blessings should make one content with life. This is not an example of people who love the Lord and advance his kingdom and talking about people who desire to be rich. Believers, the, this is basically, um, this scripture and talking about people who want to get rich. This is not an example of people who love the Lord and want to advance his kingdom. This is coveting riches. It has caused a lot of rebellion and sin. And that's why there are so many warnings in the scripture about greed. It's not a, a warning against being rich or having a lot of money. But what happens a lot of the time? People who have a lot of money get greedy. Because they realize, oh, this is good. I want more. So yes, you have to have your heart very right and very for the Lord in order to handle a lot of money. That's just the way it is. That's just the way it is. Verse 10, for the love of money, the love of money, not money, the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. 
Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. So you, again, you, you need to understand this. I'm going to read a few more scriptures. Um, actually, one uh, continuing in, in, in just finishing off in, in 1 Timothy. It says, verse 18, command them. Um, nope. Ah, com- verse 17, command those who are rich in this present world to not be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, to be generous and willing to share in this, in this way that will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. That's what it is. Prosperity is not about you. Again, you'll get blessed along the way anyways and end up with nice stuff. It is inevitable. So deal with it. Accept it. I had to. I didn't like it at first. But you, you just have to accept it. Because that's how it is. That, that's what, what having money is about. Command them to do good. To be rich in good deeds. You know, I love what it says about not putting your hope in wealth. Again, another huge key. I hope you're taking notes. To not put your hope in wealth. Like like, like the Bible says, if you store up things for yourself where moth and rust destroy. Everything that we have here, it's going to be burned up. You can't take any of it to heaven. But you know what you can take to heaven? Other people. Souls. And you know what money does for the kingdom? It gets more souls. That's the point. It says, don't put your, your hope in wealth. But put your hope in God, who richly provides us everything. So again, for our enjoyment. Hmm. That's interesting. I thought we weren't supposed to enjoy stuff. I thought we weren't supposed to have stuff. Apparently, take it up with Paul. I love all these Christians. If they make it to heaven. (laughs) To like go to Paul and say, hey Paul. um, You know, I think you were wrong about that. You know, we're not supposed to enjoy stuff. You know, we don't want to be materialistic. Because everybody always goes to the extreme. You know, always going to the extreme. Do you know that it is possible with the help and grace of the Lord to be rich and not be a greedy person? To be rich and be generous? You know it is possible with the grace of God though. On your own, if you if you do it in the flesh, you will become like all of these fools that are that were being warned against. That you become addicted, that you just want more, more. I need more, I need more. And then you go through dishonest gain to get it. That's what ends up happening. That that's, that's, tends to be the problem with a lot of people. But if, you, if your heart and your, the posture of your heart is towards God, that's why there's never, ever a verse that says, you know, being rich is a sin. No, th- there is none. You're not going to find it. You're not going to find it. Turn to Proverbs chapter 15. Proverbs 15 and verse 27. A greedy man brings trouble to his family, but he who hates bribes will live. So what is that? You know, again, what are we talking about in terms of dishonest gain? It's all of this kind of stuff, taking bribes, uh, money under the table, uh, dishonest money, getting things, you know, stepping on people to get money and all of that stuff happens. And God is warning against those things. We, We can't, we have to be like so extremely careful not to fall victim to greed and to, to, to giving into bribery. Why? Because what happens is you, because you want more for yourself, you're going to fall into the trap of all these things. Turn to Proverbs chapter 11, Proverbs 11 and verse 24. One man gives freely yet gains even more, just like I've been saying. 
Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. A generous man will prosper. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. People curse the man who hoards grain, but blessing crowns him who is willing to sell. Wow, what a, what a beautiful scripture. And what is it basically saying? If you're hoarding, if you're selfish, if it's all about you, you're going you're gonna to come to ruin. But if you're someone who gives freely and is generous and is willing to, to help others and give to others and, and, and sell what you have and give what you have, you'll, you'll, you'll have honor. That's, that's, that's amazing. That's what the scripture, that's, that's scripture. Proverbs chapter 13 and verse 11. Dishonest money dwindles away. But he who gathers money little by little makes it grow. And that's, that's exactly what, what seed time and harvest is. That you start with a small seed. It's like I talked about in the offering message. You know, God, you put what you have, whatever it is, in the hand of God, and he can multiply it. Just like Jesus did with the little boy's lunch. There, there was five loaves and two fish. And what did that produce when he put it in the hand of Jesus? He could have, do you know that that little boy could have said, well, tough luck for these guys. I got my lunch. No, he, and he could have ate it all. No, but he said, I'm going to give it to Jesus and watch what Jesus does. He multiplied it. That fed the multitude of thousands of people. And there was still left over. That's what happens when you put what you have, whatever it might be in the hand of God, rather than keeping it all for yourself, he'll multiply it. That's a biblical principle. That's what prosperity is. Not a dirty word. It's not a dirty word. It's become that. It's become that by Christians who, who, who are actually the ones who want to hoard everything for themselves. Mm. Typically people who don't like to talk about money don't want to give it away. So it's easier to not talk about it. We shouldn't talk about that. So as long as it's not being preached about, you're not going to feel convicted and then you can keep it all for yourself and spend it on Starbucks and wicked movies in the movie theater. <laughs> Turn to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6 verse 19. Do not store, this is the, the scripture I referenced before. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and rust do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Don't get me started, Steph. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And this is another scripture that people use to say, well, see, you can't serve both God and money. We're, we're not serving both God and money. Some people okay another uh, script another interpretation of this scripture says you cannot serve both god and mammon okay i'm going to tell you the definition of mammon it's defined as unrighteous riches that lead to false security it's an idol of materialism false security think about that because true again when your heart's in the right place, you know God is always going to take care of me. What did it say? In that God will never leave you nor forsake you. So if you give thousands of dollars away to offerings, you're not going to end up broke. Because God's going to take care of you. But unrighteous riches leads to false security. You're looking at your bank account. Well, I got plenty of money in there. I'll be all right. And then the bank crashes. And then what do you do? That's what happened to people uh, in the States a, a couple months ago. And people killed themselves over it because all of their security was in their money. So there, listen, guys, there, there's a lot of teaching here of how to handle money and how to handle riches when it comes your way. 
we have to be very careful. Sometimes I think, sometimes I think that's why God doesn't, you know, you know, I'm not sure everyone can handle it. I'm not sure everyone can handle it. Sometimes I think God might be protecting people sometimes. Because you'll, you'll, you know, you'll end up down, down the wrong path. So you got to get your, your heart right. You got to get, you got to get yourself right. You got to start being content with what you have. Instead of saying, I, I, I don't have enough. I need more. I want more. Why do I never have enough? Well, you're never going to have enough if that's how you keep talking. So what, what does it mean to serve mammon? There's five things. Number one, you have a lust for money. So it's like a, just a desire. Jesus was talking about your eyes. So you're, you're always desire. I, I want this. You, you set your eyes on something and you say, I want that. I want that car. I want that phone. I want that watch. You know, I want that. I, I can't think of things that people want. What, what is stuff that people want? I want that TV. The, 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 I want the, um, I don't know. I want the pool. Pools are fine. Get a pool. If we actually had summer in this country, pools would be very helpful. They're not very helpful at the moment. It'd be a hot tub. <laughs> Lust for money. Number two, envy the wealth of others. We talked about that earlier. Number three, anxious or worried constantly over having enough. Hmm. Ang are you worried or anxious constantly that you're not going to have enough? That might be an indication that you might be serving the idol of materialism. Because I'm not, I'm, am I going to have enough? Is it going to be enough? What if I don't have enough? What, did the, what does the Bible say? That he will never leave you nor forsake you. <laughs> Number four. I, I, you could be right, Lauren. I'm very angry at the lack of summer. I'm going to be honest with you. My tan is fading. Um, that's, that's why, yeah, that's why it's, it's an idol. It, it's an idol because it becomes something that has taken the place of God. That now your obsession is, is gathering in more money. The, the, the real true, the, the, the richest preachers, the, the, the true men, men and women of God who are the most wealthy, who preach about this stuff, they're never worried about money because it just keeps coming in, into their hand. They don't worry about it. They don't think about it. They don't think about how much something is going to cost. They never worry about it. But there are plenty of other Christians who it's become an idol to them. You know, they're, they're, it's all they think about. It's all they care about. Number four, disobeying God in the area of money. Oh, you're right, Steph. I should be content. All right. I'm... <laughs> I'm very content with the weather, yes. See, I can't lie. I'm not content at all. Maybe I, I'm going to have to work on that, of being more content with the weather. Um, disobeying God in the area of money. What did God say? Bring, bring, me the, bring all the tithes and offerings into the storehouse. You're not doing it. You're disobeying God in the area of money. Number five, failing to trust God to take care of us. Failing to trust God to take care of us. Th th these are ways um, that, that money becomes an idol. You know, in Revelation 18, if you read Re Revelation chapter 18, the city of Babylon, which you know Babylon is, is just the, the, the whole epitome and picture of, of sin and evil and hell. Um, the city of Babylon was given over to the spirit of mammon. And there are some scholars who believe that mammon is, is a Greek god of wealth. And so it would basically be like something that they that people worshipped, that they worshipped this this god of wealth. Uh, we're in Matthew chapter six, verse nineteen. And you know what's interesting? What does Jesus go on to say? Verse twenty-five. I hate that there's a, a like a um, in my Bible there's like a break um, that it kind of goes to another paragraph. But Jesus wasn't finished talking. He was still talking. He's saying you cannot serve both God and money. Verse 25, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or your body, what you will wear. So Jesus is going on to say, um, don't worry about that stuff. Because worrying about money is a form of serving the God of mammon. It's, it's a form of, of that. 
Because you're not trusting God that he's going to take care of us. Um, I have like two pages of notes left about the blessing of God, which I wanted to get into tonight, but I, I, I don't, um, I don't want to rush through it. I don't want to rush through it. Um, so I think we're, we're going to save that for next week. And I'm going to have a couple of questions here. Let me see what they are. Oh, there's only one. Proverbs 30. Let me go to that scripture. But I'm going to give you a little preview of what we're going to talk about next week. Proverbs 30, uh, verse 7 and 9. Okay, so the scripture is saying, keep falsehood and lies uh, far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Um, that, that's another scripture about contentment. Yeah, I'm going to do part two. No, no, I promise it's only an hour. Um, for uh, Yeah, it's, it's, it deserves its own broadcast, really, uh, talking about the blessing of God. But when you understand God's desire to bless you, you can be free from greed and the love of money when you understand that because there there like i said there is just a lack of understanding of the blessing of god god loves you he wants to bless you um you know again i'm gonna give you so yeah so th that scripture this is also um you know in, in talking about like i said being content you know, not, not to be rich or poor. And they're, they're, that, that's basically what it's, what it's talking about. That it's like, I'm, I'm going to be content with what I have. Contentment, again, we talked about that a lot tonight. It is a crucial ingredient to receiving the blessings of God. Because if you're a malcontent, you're not going to receive. If you're someone who's never happy and you're always complaining and it's never good enough. You know, it's like, you know, you ever heard of those people? Um... That it's like, you know, they, um, like, let's say, let's say they're, they're hoping for, I'm trying to, I can't think of like material possessions. I don't know why I'm like drawing a blank. What's like a, what's like a thing that people want? I don't even know. Um, okay. Let's say, let's say somebody wants a, a new bike. I don't know. I, I have a bike. I like to ride my bike. So people, someone wants a new bike and they ask their parents for a bike and their parents get them a bike. And then instead of saying, oh, awesome, I got a bike. They said, well, um, I actually would have preferred the red one. Um, this one's yellow, um, but I actually preferred the red one. It's like, they're just never happy. They get the stuff they want and they're still not happy with it. Do people want boats, Pina? I guess. Helicopters? I don't know. Um, Whenever I think of helicopters, I think of, um, there's a scene in Jurassic World where the, the guy's flying a helicopter and he like, the, um, I forget exactly what, something happened and he goes like spinning into the, uh, into the little cage where all the pterodactyls are and then all of them fly out. Anyways, uh, I don't, no, I do, it's a good movie. There's, I don't think there's anything bad in it. But anyways, I don't, how about this? I'm not going to recommend any Hollywood movies anymore. Um, a yacht yeah it's like uh, you know you get a yacht and you're like well actually I really wanted the one um, uh, I, I would I would really like the one <laughs> sorry Shiba you made me laugh you know I really wanted the one with like the, the blue sail you know this one has a white sail it's like people that are just they're never happy they're never content you know, they're never, it's never good enough. It's never enough. You know, you went on vacation to Florida, but oh, I, I wish I, I wish I would have gone to Italy. Look at all the people going to Italy. Hey, you went to Florida. Be grateful. I, I have a, ingratitude. Ingratitude is one of the worst things. I, okay, can we make a checklist? Let's make this checklist, okay? These are the things that you have to get straight in your life. This, these are the things you have to get straight in your life. Being grateful, being, um, being thankful, and being content, right? 
especially understanding it in the light of what God's done for you. Because God's given us all, and I've, I've, I talked about this last week, everything we have is from God. Everything we have is from Him and belongs to Him. So there has to be a sense of gratitude towards the Lord for what He's done. Because if there's no gratitude, if there's no thankfulness, then, then you're not going to be content. You're going to want more. And then you're not going to trust in God. You're going to trust in what you have. Gratefulness, thankfulness, contentment. Godly, like the scripture said, godliness is contentment with contentment. Godliness with contentment is great gain. It's true. You're right, Pina. It does cause stress because you, you're, you're constantly, you're never happy. You constantly, it's, it's just never good enough. I, I, it's one thing that I want to be the best I could be, I could be at is being thankful and being grateful. And, and I think we all have, have probably had moments where we probably could have been a little more grateful, but that's okay. You know, you ask God, God, help me in this area. You know, maybe you're, 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 you're struggling with, with one of those three things that you're like, I can't get content or I, I feel envious of others sometimes, you know, social media has ruined us for that. That all we see is everybody's best part of life, you know? Absolutely, Lynn. Of course you get. My God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. Um, you know, so if you, if there, it's an area you're struggling in, you know. You know, Sheba always mentions this, that, that, that uh, social media always shows the, the best of everything. And then it's like, they'll never show like if they're having like a, a hard day or something like that. They'll always show as if everything's so perfect, you know. And then we look at that and we're like, I wish my, has anyone ever said that? I wish my life looked like that. I wish I could do that. that that's, that's a mix of envy and, and discontentment. If you're not, listen to me, if you're not content with something in your life, let's figure out a way to fix that. You know, instead of, instead of being envious of others, maybe there's something you could do, you know, I hate my job. I wish I had a different job then get a different job, do something, improve yourself. You know, I wish I, I wish I was thinner. Um, okay. Then, then do something to lose some weight, join a gym. I don't know. There's a lot of things you could do, but most of the time, what happens is we sit on our bums and complain and whine and I don't have this and I don't have that. And we're doing absolutely nothing to achieve any of those things. <laughs> Auntie Joe says we post happy and special moments. No one has ever posted themselves scrubbing a dirty floor. And it's, <laughs> maybe I should do that. I'm gonna like post if like something spills. Look what spilled. Um, like my husband the other day, he, he had chocolate milk and he likes to shake the chocolate milk so it gets like, like creamy, like a milkshake almost. And so he's shaking the chocolate milk, right? And anyways, later on in the day, I go into the kitchen and I notice there's little dots of chocolate milk all over my nice white floor. <laughs> I was a little discontent at that. I have to be honest. Um, but listen, it's, it's, I, and I've, I said this already. I love seeing people's great moments. I want to celebrate with you because I'm happy for you. So it's okay to post happy things and, and something good that's happened. Don't, don't feel like you can't do that. Um, but again, it's like it, it, we, we so often end up comparing ourselves, um, to other people. And really, you don't really know what's happening in their life. You don't really know what they're going through and you don't know what they had to do to get where they are. Oh, uh, I deserve a nicer house. Well, do, do you work as hard? Is there something you could do? Anyways, it's, I'm going to get into all that because we're at the end of the broadcast. But listen, next week we're going to do part two. So please, um, you know, get, get ready for part two. Part two, we're going to deal with um, basically reasons why God wants to bless you because he does want to bless you. He's a good father. And when I say bless, there is a material blessing that's attached to God's love. It's true. It's true. <gasps> you know. It's true. 
No, of course, Pina. Money, money can't buy happiness, but you know, it could make you a little happy. <laughs> because you know, it, it, there's there's a sense of, of freedom, isn't there, and peace when you know that you don't have to wonder, uh, um, uh, you don't have to live paycheck to paycheck. God doesn't want you to live paycheck to paycheck. He doesn't. But let's get things straight in our lives first and become good soil to receive the things from God. Not soil of ingratitude or malcontent. So, so let's, let's do that. Let's be people, uh, grateful people. Amen, Lisa. It's true. Okay, there's, a, there's another good thing. Shoes. Why don't I have... I, I want those shoes. The shoes with the with the, the the fancy label on it that cost three times what they're actually worth. I I want those. Why can't I have those? You know, I'm I don't want to be like you know whatever. But we're glad that you have shoes at all because a lot of people don't. But it doesn't mean you can't have nice shoes. What did I just read? That God blesses us for our enjoyment. Yes, you can enjoy life. I just set you free from years of bad Christian teaching that God wants you miserable and suffering every day of your life. No, God wants you to enjoy life. He loves you. He's a good father. He wants to bless you. You know, we're going we're gonna to read Deuteronomy chapter eight, uh, 28 next week. There are blessings for obedience and a lot of them are material. In fact... The biggest blessings for obedience is uh, wealth and health. And people hate that. And the curses are sickness and poverty. And we're going to, oh, we are going to get into that next week. So get ready for it. And invite all your anti-prosperity friends to watch. Lisa, I don't even reach 35. I like under 20. <laughs> uh, let's pray. If you're not saved, you need to get saved. Because all this is predicated on you having a relationship with God. So if, if you've never been saved before, or you once were, and you've since fallen away, pray this prayer with me out loud out of your mouth. Because I want you in heaven. That's all I care about. I want you in heaven. Don't go to hell. You don't have to go there. Hell wasn't created for, for you. It was created for, for the devil and his demons, not for people. So pray this prayer out loud out of your mouth. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's why we pray this out loud. Say, Father, repeat it after me. Father, I give you my life. Forgive me of all my sins. I believe in my heart. That you raised Jesus from the dead. I confess with my mouth. That Jesus is Lord and my Savior. I choose to follow you and not turn back. Thank you. That I am now saved. In Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Um, if you prayed that prayer. Please message this account and let us know. We'll get, you, we'll get a Bible to you. Uh, and if you did pray it. Welcome to the family of God.